Welcome to Unlocking Impact. I'm your host, Sarah Schoenfeld, CEO of the Trade Impact Foundation. In this podcast, we cover issues at the intersection of the global economy, sustainability, and human rights. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our first ever solo episode or solo series in this case. Sometimes we'll be having these solo episodes and and most weeks we'll be having those guest episodes where we have a full guest episode. But this episode, we'll be talking about understanding the climate crisis, understanding your role and how to think about the problem in a very productive way. You know, you've been hearing a lot about COP26 and the latest news is that, you know, experts are saying, well, it's just not enough. We're, we're seeing all these agreements come out and the, the warming that's expect, expected is going to be too high. It's, it's not at the level that they'd like to see. So with these headlines coming out showing that, you know, the warming targets, target goals are off schedule, should you be getting really down? How should you feel about this? And and should you feel like you can't do anything about it, you as an individual? So in this episode, I will be explaining the way I see everybody having a role to play, you know, and, and how we can take that concept and move forward to help solve the problems of consequences of the climate crisis, right? Where you have a lot of different human rights issues coming up in terms of whether it's adaptation to new weather patterns, where, for example, you have farmers that need to adapt to new climates or climate-related weather events, where we have to help communities to mitigate the consequences of those weather-related disasters. I'll also explain why I like to think of this issue in a more long-term approach and why when I see that experts are not feeling like we're on target to meet that 1.5 degrees Celsius goal that's been talked about a lot, why I don't get too down today. I think that the consequences of the climate issue can be explained in a number of different ways. And we can look at very small pieces. We can look at larger trends. What I feel passionate about is that climate change is affecting people. It's affecting people today, and it will, according to experts, affect people much worse tomorrow and at a larger scale. You're seeing different issues and disasters, and whether they're smaller or whether they're more indirect, more direct, nonetheless, either way, what are we doing to help mitigate any of the harsh consequences? Just recently, the UN Human Rights Council came out to say, well, having a healthy environment is a human right. And during that session, to open it up, the high commissioner described three environmental threats, climate change, pollution, and nature loss. Altogether, the high commissioner described these threats as the single greatest human rights challenge of our era. And so when I hear that, again, it's not just climate change, it's also pollution, air, land, water pollution, as well as, you know, deforestation, nature loss. So when we hear about those three different issues wrapped up into one, the environmental rights, and now we're hearing, okay, the UN is agreeing, these are, you know, environmental rights are human rights. And this is something I've seen on some corporate websites as well, actually, 
And so a lot of the ways that I see the future, whether it's environmental rights or whether it's other human rights, I do think that there's one key way to drive that progress. Because we have regulators, of course, leaders of countries who are working on these issues, some more than others. Some might be talking more than doing. Some might be more well-meaning than others, but they're all working on it at some level. But even if every regulator, every leader in the world would do their best in good faith and act as passionate as they could, it wouldn't be enough. Not for something like the carbon crisis, the climate crisis, carbon and other greenhouse gases. We need companies. We need consumers to participate. We need individuals, businesses. We need them to participate in all of this action, in all of this progress. On the company side, we need transparency. We need companies to be pushing for transparent supply chains, global value chains that, you know, as well as their operations throughout their company. Every every piece of the company needs to be transparent so that we can facilitate wholehearted ethics. (laughs) And not only that, but the company then needs to effectively and accurately communicate all these things to consumers. Because then that will allow the consumer to make the right decisions, right? And on the consumer side, the individual, you are an individual consumer. So when we are choosing between two different products, first of all, we need to be educated. We need to come to that decision in an educated way. And then we need to have the information available to us to make a smart decision, an impactful decision. So that the responsibility is really shared between the companies and the consumers to help drive this change, right? Again, if the regulators, the leaders, all wanted to stop the climate crisis, they all wanted to do what they could, that would be wonderful. And that, that's happening on many levels. It's not happening to the extent that most experts would like to see, but it is happening. And further... We're also seeing companies and consumers being more aware. And that's what gives me the most hope. I just want to emphasize that just because you are not someone who's spent 10, 20 years looking at the effects of climate change, that does not mean that you don't have a role to play. And we're seeing that very much so coming out of the headlines of COP26. During the climate conference, we've also seen so many private actors coming to the table with ideas, with collaborations, with new partnerships, with whether it be public-private partnerships or industry or other partnerships or commitments from the private sector that have been in many ways leading the progress. 1.5 degrees Celsius. We have heard the number 1.5 degrees over and over and over again. We've heard the word 1.5. Let's get to 1.5. Well, why is this the number? Why is, why is everyone saying this? Well, in 2015, the Paris Agreement comes out. And in that agreement, countries committed to limit average global warming to well below 2 degrees Celsius. And the aim is for 1.5 degrees Celsius. So why 1.5? Experts, scientists advise that crossing the 1.5 threshold will result in a more severe, a far more severe impact on the planet and on the people living in it. It, Just that half degree difference, they say, can really result in more extreme, more intense, and more extended weather events. So one thing that really spoke to me 
because I, you know, the 1.5 is being repeated. But then whenever I read an article, it's like, you know, X percent of emissions that relate to this product or it's, you know, this many tons of global emissions. And it's just so hard to keep track of. And, and different articles will use different metrics. One, th- You know, we've been hearing 1.5 a lot right now. But generally speaking, we hear a lot of different numbers, a lot of different ways to measure climate change and the impact of one specific change or one specific innovation or practice on the global amount. So to me, something that's really helpful is I read this book that I think is just fantastic. Bill Gates wrote this book about climate. It's called How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. And he says that when you're following along these conversations, there's only two numbers that you need to really know. And it was so interesting to me because 1.5 was not one of those numbers. He says that we are currently, on an annual basis, we are emitting 51 billion tons of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere every year. And he says that number, 51 billion, 51 billion tons per year, that's the number you need to know. The second number you need to know is zero. So he says that today we're at 51 billion tons and that we need to get to zero. And anything above that just won't work in the long term. And that that really hit me hard because, it, you know, I know what they're saying, 1.5, you know, degrees Celsius. If we get past that level, things are going to get a lot harder. It's just hard for me to follow along all the different innovations and progress and solutions that are being proposed when that's our goal, because it's just so complicated to understand, well, when will we get to that 1.5? What do we have to do exactly to get to that 1.5 and not to get further than the 1.5? It's really tough. It's really tough for me. Maybe it works for you. But if it doesn't work for you, you might want to check out this book from Bill Gates, because I think that when I heard those, when I read about those two different numbers, that really sat with me because it hit me that, hey, Whatever we're doing today, it's not going to be enough. And that's something that he talks about in the book. And the basically every 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 five minutes, it's just focusing on, well, we need innovations for this. We need innovations for that. You know, we have to take this step, but we don't have enough innovations for that yet. And we have to take these measures, but we don't have the innovations to do that yet. That's that was the you know, that was the common theme, one of the common themes throughout that book. And you know, as Bill Gates says, it's kind of a roadmap for the future, for the next generation to say, here, here's where we have what we have to accomplish. It's unprecedented. It's so enormous, but we can do it because here's, you know, here's how we can do it at a high level. Now let's figure out the details. Right. So for me, maybe it's my background in consulting, but that was just such a clear goal that we had to get to. We need to get to zero and we're at 51 billion tons. And so no matter what we do today, it's just not enough. So that also in some ways made me calmer about it because I know a lot of people get very upset about the lack of progress. And I hear you. You know, I, I think I'd love the world to be perfect. I'd love the world to move in unison towards the, you know, the common good when it comes to every human right. But that's just not human nature. It's just not the way it goes the world's very complicated. And even if we all wanted to, we still don't even have the innovations to do it right now. So we just have to keep going. We just have to keep going and one day get to that zero. And the way to get to that zero 
You know, again, we're at 51 billion. We got to get to zero. The way we get there is through enormous innovation. It's like everything that we do today, we have to change the way we do it in manufacturing, in transportation, in how we consume things. It's We have to change it all the way we get our electricity, right? Energy. Everyone likes to talk about energy when it comes to climate. So we need crazy innovations when it comes to energy because we just don't have the capacity today for everyone in the planet to live off of green energy, clean energy. We don't have the the ability to do so at an affordable, feasible, at scale, in an affordable, feasible way. So that calmed me because it was like, well, so it's, it's not about getting to zero this week. It's about putting in the processes, inspiring the innovations, beginning the conversations, the negotiations, the collaborations that will get us on track to get to that zero eventually. I strongly believe that the consumer demand for ethical and sustainable products will continue to drive corporate action in a very positive direction. And I hope that that will come to fruition in such a way that we can solve all of the human rights issues. You know, sure, let's start with climate change, but then let's go on further. Thank you so much for joining me today on our first ever solo episode. Next week, we'll be doing part two of this climate series, and we'll be talking about global climate solutions. And I hope that you join us next week.